This lecture is brought to you by Knox Theological Seminary on iTunes U. Knox is a seminary in the tradition of the Reformation that exists to educate men and women to declare and demonstrate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that this teaching will be beneficial in your Christian life and ministry. The third and final thing we need to talk about with the bondage of the will is um, what our posture before God is before we have the final revelation um, to be revealed to us in the hereafter, and then what sort of um, comfort that this doctrine is supposed to give us. So I want to just start here with the passage on 317 about the three lights. Ooh, this was good. Because mm. I want to make sure that we all get this and see Jump why. Page. 317. Make sure we all get this and see why it's uh, relevant for Luther. <clears throat> it says, keep in, view Whoa, sorry. keep in view three lights, the light of nature, the light of grace, and the light of glory. He says this is a common and good distinction. By the light of nature, it is inexplicable that it should be just for the good to be afflicted and the bad to prosper. But the light of grace explains it. By the light of grace, it is inexplicable how God can damn him who by his own strength can do nothing but sin and become guilty. Both the light of nature and the light of grace here insist that the fault lies not in the wretchedness of man, but in the injustice of God. Nor can they judge otherwise of a God who crowns the ungodly freely without merit and does not crown, but damns another, who is perhaps less and certainly not more ungodly. But the light of glory insists otherwise and will one day reveal God to whom alone belongs a judgment whose justice is incomprehensible, as a God whose justice is most righteous and evident, provided only that in the meanwhile we believe it, as we are instructed and encouraged to do by the example of the light of grace, explaining what was a puzzle of the same order to the light of nature. Only reconciled in the eschaton. Mm. He's just operating under his own categories here. There's, he just kind of, there's not really any, I'm not saying yay or nay, but he's not really borrowing scriptural concepts. He's just kind of saying, this is how I think about it. Yeah. Is that right? I mean, he says that the, the distinction between the three lights is a common and good dis distinction. I don't, I've never seen that anywhere else. Mm. Um, it must have been used elsewhere, but... He's definitely drawing this in um, from somewhere else to use it. If you want to completely ignore this, feel free to. I don't want to get down a rabbit hole. But the question I have is from this book and much of, and I'm wholeheartedly in with it, that God has to reveal himself to us in order for us to have faith grasp hold of the gospel we can't come to that conclusion on our own so then if we then go to what we talked about yesterday about laying hold of faith and dropping it like a dog running along the river if God reveals himself to some and, and your eyes are open and you come to faith it doesn't make sense to me that then all of a sudden you're now no longer going to have it. Hmm. That's that's where the and maybe maybe I'm 
putting uh, too much logic in, into it, and that mystery needs to be there. Mm -hmm. But that's that's where I'm maybe a little more sympathetic with Reformed theology, just struggling with that. Yeah, that was a question I meant to ask, is how you think this understanding of how God works on us, hidden and revealed, relates to what Luther says elsewhere about losing faith. Oof. Yeah, you summed it up better than I did. I don't think Luther meant it. Hmm. <laughs> I'll start the conversation. I'll put Luther against Luther. It's a great pickup. I don't think he meant he could lose faith. Well, of course, what I mean by that is I don't think... As I read Luther, you can lose faith. You can't lay it whole. You can't just because you see your reflection in the mirror, get excited and drop it. And we made that point. We pressed it yesterday. It's not something that happens willy-nilly. You don't do this 16 times a day. God's inscrutability says God will get what he wants to get, however he wants to get it. And if he wants you to have faith, you're going to have faith. It just seems inconsistent to me that it's God doing the saving, and we all are on that same page. And Lutherans and Reformed, and anybody that really reads the Bible well believes that. God that <laughs> salvation is belongs to the Lord. Uh, but so now you're a new creature in Christ, and now it feels like now it's up to you. Hmm. If I'm working. Which I know is completely anti-Luther. Hmm. And one of the reasons I love Luther is that it's about Christ. It's about the gospel. Keep coming back to that. But where I'm sympathetic to reform theology here is that Christ does the holding. Mm. Right? Yeah. So God's not an Indian giver. Yes. Give the gift of faith and then pull yes. it back. Something like that. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I've always felt like, and this is the logic of Calvinism, or the reason, I've always felt like, even in my Baptist upbringing, it was like Arminian to God, but then there was eternal security. And I've always felt like that was, you needed symmetry in, in coming to faith and remaining in faith. And it was either symmetry in your Arminianism or a symmetry in the election of God. And the, the asymmetry just doesn't, uh, yeah. So would it be, you know, we all want you to be a part of the story. <laughs> <laughs> I like you're describing what we observe and then people leaving the faith. That's what I was thinking last night. Yes, phenomenological. Right, yeah. He's like, some sit on his faith, you know. Mm. Sit. Luther's describing that image of the dog dropping the meat when he sees his image in the mirror. Mm -hmm. um, Luther describing what he and we all would observe. Yeah. Seemingly the. Mm -hmm. The inexplicable and very sad well, life of a man or a woman who, after years of perseverance, suddenly seems to say, "No more. I'm, I'm done. I'm walking away from it." Well, in, Gal in Galatians uh, five, where he says, where Luther in his commentary on falling from grace, he uses the words like, "God is not for this guy anymore," you know, and he's no longer doing this, and it's like, "Wow," you know. 
And it's, it's very, like, I went to that last night to see how he spoke and what he said, both the rhetoric and the logic of Luther there. And he, and it's, he uses both, you know. It's like the way, both the way he talks about it and kind of the propositions about it all are very much what you're saying, you know, that he believed and spoke that way that people lose faith. How does it line up with the narrative <laughs> of Scripture? Like Lot, who was a complete disaster, dumpster fire. Lot. <laughs> Lot. Yeah. Everything about his life. There's nothing redeemable about his life. And yet the Bible says he's righteous. Peter, who just screws the pooch on everything. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we have that on uh, video. <laughs> So you are watching this in ten years. You're welcome. <laughs> 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 I forgot what's being recorded. <laughs> How about Solomon? Right? That's the kind of stuff you say. We're all get me in trouble. <laughs> Luther's favorite example is David, um, but he he would say that David fell and then confessed. But in, in, if there was only that falling without that confession, David would have been a Judas. If and David had died at the moment of falling. No, that's I, that, yeah, that's the speculation. That I, into. I, I know. Didn't. Yeah. So, right. I know. I know. Yeah. 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 But Luther always does want to hold open that possibility because he thinks particularly that's where Paul goes. Um, you know, if you seek justification uh, in the works of the law or, or if you're circumcised, you have fallen from Christ. You have been estranged, or you've been, you've been estranged from Christ, you have fallen from grace. Um, I think he did always want to hold that open as a real warning, but yeah, so it's something we can't speculate. Pursues Peter, so that was my point, that Jesus pursues Peter. Mm -hmm. Peter goes, I'm, go so I'm going back to fishing. Yeah. Jesus pursues him. It's almost as if when Peter drops the meat, Christ is there and puts it back in Peter's mouth. Yeah. No, it's. I think it's that Jesus is the dog and we are the meat. Um, Fair. I just every image that Luther gives of this alien faith is it is it something that God implants in us like an alien that's just going to grip us and take us over mm. and invade us. It does itself to us. I can't like I can't remove an alien. Mm. You know. Um, it's just gonna do what it's gonna do. It's gonna hold, and that's what, what I. That's why I am. Attra I'm attracted to Luther's articulation of this theology. Is it so gives me comfort to know I can't be lost because I'm not the one holding on to it. It's holding me. Hmm. So uh, that is troubling to me. This uh, this, and the only way the way I read it was because I thought uh, Luther has this conception really nailed down. So when he's talking about this, this must be phenomenological in the sense of. There are times in my life when I doubt, and I know when I'm doubt, I'm actually letting go of the promises I already have and trying to replace them with promises I, and forgetting that I already have them. Yeah. You know. Where again was that doubt uh, thing that we read yesterday? I like, lost track. Oh, it's in this book, right? Uh, it's oh yes. Or yeah. this okay. dog and the meat thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just start your knees up and it comes up. It was, <laughs> just holding You know, I want. I wonder if we go back to that distinction when he's talking about what happens when somebody hears the word and they don't believe. It says, from, from, the, from the viewpoint of the revealed word, we can attribute that rejection to the human will. Right, right. 
Um, but if we were to speculate, you know, you would say that eventually that causation is that God never sent his spirit to work on that person. I don't know if you can go from that to a question of rejecting faith or, you know, losing faith. Um, that's a difficult thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, how much confidence should we have in, I know this sounds weird, but how much confidence should we have in doctrine, in like, you know, the doctrine of election and the doctrine of, you know, persevering, you know, or the, uh, you know, the perseverance of the saints versus, I mean, to me, this almost seems like faith in dead letters versus faith in the living and active voice of Christ, you know, telling you, you know, you must stand, but God will make you stand, you know? <laughs> in, in Romans, you know, 11, there's going on, so, you know, you stand by faith, and he's specifically addressing arrogance over, you know, one group of the church kind of over the other, and he's like, hey, keep in mind, you stand by faith, but then right in that same context, he says, and God will make him stand. Hmm. You know, so there's a promise there, too, but I don't know, it's... It seems like the Lutheran way tends to constantly draw ourselves away from the law, which is, in my opinion, could be just dead letters, you know, just doctrine that we're holding to, you know, apart from the living and active voice of God who's addressing us right now, you know, law and gospel. Yeah. Don't make it law. But, so that, that's kind of, as I was struggling with this yesterday, because it was very, like, scary to hear, mm. you know, you basically deny once saved, always saved. But then... So I was like thinking about that for most of the day, but you know, today it's like, okay, I guess this is because God wants me to just constantly be looking towards his present tense word, not like how I have his past tense word drilled down in the book. Well, that's true. You know, <laughs> hold on to Christ and him crucified. Mm -hmm. you know, he would give that imperative. He wouldn't have any trouble with the imperative verb. <laughs> but isn't that the law? That's just... I think that would be, I'm going to describe that. That would um, even believe the gospel was sound like their use, right? That's uh, law, law is not locked into grammatical yeah. forms. Right, yeah. that's a, come unto me, all ye who travail. That's the imperative mm -hmm. voice. Mm -hmm. That is almost 150 the gospel. Right. So it's just that, that spontaneous remade will. Now I'm riding the mule of the gospel. Mm -hmm. um, clinging to, to the reveal of God. That's, of course, then a gift, categorically. Um, so then have we done injustice to uh, little L law when we say it's any imperative? Uh, yeah. I mean, I with, re with, rega with regard to Luther, and, and, and not just Luther, but the way that the rest of the law gospel doctrine develops, it's definitely... I don't think it's always helpful to say, oh, you know, this publication is saying you should diet because you need to. Um, that's law. That's condemning you. I don't think that's the kind of thing Luther would. Right, see, because it has been construed that way by some I of the law gospel professors. Well, I know. Always. It, but it, it's, it's, yeah. Yes, always, no. Yeah, it's, it's if we make that little L play into the big L. You know, if our old Adam grasped onto. Yeah. For instance, if diet, there are six better ways to make love to your man or something like that. That becomes to be perfect, then it's law. I'm going to buy that book. Yeah, that's a good sermon. Um, <laughs> well, we hear the sermons, don't we? Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> Isn't it Ferdy that says that that even when you say you must believe that that's law, like if you leave your people with that, you know that that's leaving them with the law. Yeah, that that sort of statement in a sermon would just be law. Yeah, for sure. But look, I mean, or like you'll get to heaven if you believe. Yeah. Well, yeah. Luther in the Heidelberg Disputation pretty much says that though. He says the law says do this and it is never done. The gospel says believe this mm -hmm. and it is already done. So yeah, he was already kind of the imperative of belief. Yeah, yeah, was part of the gospel for him. At least in the Heidelberg, I think he developed out of that. Yeah, but even wrapped up in there in Heidelberg is, is, give, is given the fact that, that it, the imperative of the gospel is giving you that very thing itself. Exactly. Yeah. The word creates rather than finds the very thing which is yeah. necessary. The work of God is this. Believe. We're not the authors of our belief. Hmm. So just making one more comment about the, the little L, big L law. And the thing that the law always does is curses the one who is outside of Christ, um, whether that's the whole person or just the old Adam in you. And I think we have to be careful with how we talk about little L laws in relationship to that, because I'm not sure that they are always doing that. Who's uh, they? The little L laws. The, the, the Can you give a concrete example yeah, of Yes, please. That? I was going to ask that. Concretize that. Um, well, you know, to, to riff on a Luther analogy, is it a little L law in a relationship to a big L law when the doctor says you need to start working out because, you know, you have a heart condition? Um, like, how, 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 would, how would you? I think about law gospel every time I sit in the dentist chair. Oh, of course. So yeah, yeah. You don't floss enough. <laughs> you don't. And that's just a statement. That's not even clear, but that's law, you know? Right. Yeah, sure. good point. Yeah. And then I'm like, man, give me, give me motivation to take care of my teeth. <laughs> Not mop. Yeah, and I, I mean, the thing is, I could see there how so ontologically is that is that little <laughs> is that little L law working in a way where it's showing me how I'm outside of Christ, or how does it work into a, a scheme where I start to think I've got to do something now to have Christ, or and, you know, those sorts of questions are always on my mind. Um, I think the people I, who talk that way would say more generically, it's showing me somehow that I'm not up to snuff and need to do something that I might be justified. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, Jesus, not talking about Jesus, but just my, I need to be justified. Yeah. My existence. Yeah. Uh, or, sh or showing that that little bell law is the way to the good life. Mm. You know? Right. But is there room for Tell those? Is there is there room for those little L laws and and just forming and shaping your horizontal life? Civically, yeah. yeah. Civic law, yes. All of life is built on. Right? Yeah. There's not. There's nowhere that life is not built on. So I guess what I'm, I guess uh, to be to be maybe clear, I'm I'm saying we sometimes those little L law conversations I think say every first use of the law becomes the second use. I think the, I think the little a lot of people say any use of the law boils into second use. Mm. That's what's never made sense to me. I don't hear it. I don't understand that. Yeah, I don't hear it. Can you tell me? I want to hear about that. Yeah, civic use of the law becomes condemnation, or in my reform, a third so use mean, of the law becomes condemnation. Any yeah. use of the law is always, 
And that's what I remember. Last season going, to first. I don't think, think is good. I don't think. Yeah, first, first season. Right, right. Because right. that awesome. should just I should just restrain you and and set right. you. Yeah. I I so you know uh, well I don't want to be terribly autobiographical, but my experience with the first use is that it helps me. It frees me up to experience the gospel. It doesn't make me free, but it. Which are you talking about Lutheran first use now or? Yeah. Uh, Lutheran first use, civic use. Okay. Got um, or, or the, the, second the use, the use that restrains people. Mm. Oh, okay. We'll have to keep that straight. We'll have to like write that on the board yeah. or something. That'd be helpful after lunch. Okay. The use well, that restrains people. So, autobiographical for posterity. Welcome, future DMAN students. Like, I don't have a smartphone, okay? Because I've in the past really, really struggled with looking at things I shouldn't look at. Right. That's a first use. Okay. I'm trying to restrain evil in my life. That didn't change my heart. But every week I go meet a guy, and whenever I just say, hey, here's how I'm dealing with personal sin, uh, he doesn't repeat the law to me. He says, for you've been crucified with Christ, and there's no longer you can live, but Christ lives in you. And that's where one of the ways that the gospel gets practiced in me. Uh, I never feel bad. I just don't feel bad. I don't feel accused or condemned that I have to have a, 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 a stump phone. You know what I mean? Yeah. I but. I actually feel free because of the regular practice of the gospel. So, to me, first use doesn't always have to get absorbed into condemnation or accusation, or, but I know for a lot of people it does, so I tr I'm really trying to work it out on the ground. Yeah. Was well, there a difference between experiencing first use and preaching first use? Okay, maybe so. Maybe so. Which I, I think if you're preaching first use, it would become second use. Yeah, well, sure when you preach first use. That's what he's saying yeah. isn't the case. He says too many people say that. Mm. Well, I, yeah, I mean, but I, I don't often, maybe people do preach first use regularly. Um, That's true. It's not regularly <clears throat> preached. Yeah. Well, but I guess from in the Reformed dialogue, people in the Reformed scheme, people will say, pre, people of uh, more Luther persuasion will say third use preached collapses into first use in experience. So, a law gospel law sermon. Mm. I yeah. preach the gospel, and so now, look, here's what the free life looks like. Yeah. Here's yeah. what, uh, so, Christian, having been redeemed by the law, go do this, this, and this. Yeah. And the Christians, these folks will say, walk out burdened and shackled, despite the fact that in the order of things, mm -hmm. they have said, I, I didn't preach first use. I preached, yeah. I, I, I didn't preach, yeah, I didn't preach the first use, I preached third use. Um, That's where you get the people saying the third use is just the first use warmed over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, like, the Luther presented to be like, no, uh, you have just replaced burdens on them. They think that to be a good Christian, now they have to go out and do these things. Yeah. Like, you've, you've clouded the gospel enough that they can no longer hear it, and all they hear is do this, do that. Yeah. Do more try harder. Um, I, I think there's a lot of truth in that. Yeah. And, and in my mind, I'm not talking about this in relationship to proclamation. Uh, yeah, I know. You're right. Yeah, because I, I, I've never, I never try to leave the leave a person on the the so what question, but rather than just this is done and it's it's for you. Because I'm the like, primary interlocutor here. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, <laughs> maybe you. maybe in no, relationship, you, I maybe in relationship to preaching, but in normal in normal life. Um, 
that is, that is the question. Is I don't think Luther talks very much about the civil use of the law becoming a con something that's condemning you as the second use does. It's like the chains that restrain the criminal um, and, and keep you from harming yourself, but it's not the, the voice of the condemnation itself, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. mm, but the chains remind you that you're not free. Sure. So they tell you, look, slave. Mm. Oh, yeah, I am a slave, mm -hmm. you know? You know, the way the man who brought all this in, Paul, was all, not the apostle, the grace in practice, you know, one helpful way for me to kind of boil some of this down is you can look backwards and think, okay, from this imperative, they're going to end up on a therapist's couch one day. Yeah. You know. Your children, when you say, don't run with scissors, aren't going to be like, well, my dad told me not to run with scissors, and you know, I'm so mad at him, and I'm all his issues. You know, right. don't, it, that's, not, that's not what end up on the gets into couch. the core of somebody and does yeah. that rewiring of accusation and condemnation, dislocation, and all that. Stuff possibly bad for yeah. our place in Galatians later on. <coughs> so. the, yeah, that's, that's a good point. I think one of my problems with the people who draw a straight line from little L to big L is they don't think about the little L as something that you give thanks, thanks for, um, for helping keep you alive just in your civic daily life. Like, you know, even the, the common example is stop signs. Like, that is just a form of civil law working itself out in daily life. And if we don't have that, you know, the way it would just be all chaos and mess. I give thanks for stop signs because less people die. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and for me, you I... You can, but then it can also be a source of irritation. I feel like I am one of these people that makes this straight line thing. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and I'm not saying that that's illegitimate. Yeah. I'm saying it doesn't have to be the case necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. There's a little L always. Yeah. And I don't think the little L, big L people are saying that. I, I don't hear that. There are some of them that do. Oh, okay. But, yeah. Um... Not all, the good ones, I think, don't. Because, yeah. <laughs> These courses provide a glimpse into our academic programs. Knox students can take one week or semester length courses in person at our South Florida campus or choose to complete a degree entirely online. By bringing together academic excellence, a vibrant community of learning, and flexible scheduling, Knox offers today's students timeless truth through modern convenience. For more information about earning credit toward a master's degree, please visit our website at knoxseminary.edu.